Volume two, chapter twenty of Garcia Marino by Gustin Berth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. The Catastrophe at Ibarra, eighteen sixty eight. Is there more fatal heresy than Catholic liberalism and honest men? We shall have full proofs of the result of thus striving to reconcile impossible theories in the short but sad career of President Espinoza. Undoubtedly, by permitting the successive failures of Carrion and Espinoza, two honest and good men, God wished to prove to all that the policy of Garcia Moreno, based upon Christian principles alone, is the only one which is both truly stable and conservative. Don Xavier Espinoza, the best of men, would have made also the best of presidents if he had not fallen into the liberal snares. Well versed in all legal and parliamentary fictions, and utterly unsuspicious of intrigues, which he refused to believe in unless materially proved, he quickly became a plaything in the hands of the revolutionists. He thought to conciliate all parties by choosing ministers of different and contradictory views. Garcia Marina's ideas were represented as monstrous and tyrannical, and the calumnies daily reproduced in the papers did not fail to produce a bad effect on the mind of a liberal government. Then began the usual Masonic intrigues, which we have had so often to record. The sects worked very quietly and underground, so as not to arouse the suspicions of the virtuous Espinoza. Under pretense of avenging the liberty of the press, all social and religious questions were again brought forward. In vain Garcia Marina tried to open the eyes of the government. Espinoza would not believe in the danger, and waited for facts to prove his assertions. Ecuador, in fact, was about to assist at a second representation of the peace played the year before under President Carrion. Unable to bear this state of things any longer, Garcia Marina made up his mind to retire to the country. He took a hacienda called Guachala in the north, not far from Ibarra, with the intention of cultivating it himself. It was to be the means of restoring his health, which had been greatly broken by the tremendous agitations and fatigues of his political life, and also by the domestic sorrows and trials which he had endured during the last few years. His charming and admirable wife, Rosa Arcasubi, had died, and he had married a second time. Donna Mariana de Alcazar, a niece of the Arcasubi. When he first proposed this alliance to the mother of the young lady, that noblewoman replied, weeping, that she could not give him her child, that she dreaded too much the anxious days and nights full of anguish, which had shortened the life of his first wife. She could not bear to think of such an existence for her daughter, who would have to wonder, day by day, if they would not bring her back her husband with a ball in his head, or the thrust of a dagger in his heart. But Mariana loved him and as it was impossible to dispute Garcia Marina's will, he married her, and they were intensely happy. She had on her side youth, love, and a courage which did not fear to meet the dangers which her mother so greatly dreaded for her. It was true that from that moment her anxieties never ceased. The attempt at assassination at Lima, the odious and infamous invalidation of his election as senator, and finally the illness and death of their little girl, the first fruits of their love, had initiated the poor young wife into her long martyrdom. He now brought his loving and gentle Marianita, as she was called in her family, to this country home, surrounded with beautiful woods and meadows, quite determined to pitch his tent there, and to procure, with his flocks and herds, not only the calm joys of home, but also the ease and comfort which his agricultural knowledge would easily afford him. But it seemed as if God would not permit this man, the visible instrument of his providence, to have a moment's peace. He permitted him to rest for a short time in this oasis, only to exercise once more his mission as the saviour of his country. On August 13, 1868, volcanic eruptions and earthquakes convulsed the whole province of Ibarra. During the night of the 15th and 16th, 
Towards one o'clock in the morning, a tremendous shock woke the inhabitants of the capital of Ibarra. Houses and churches fell, men, women, and children were buried under the ruins. Of the ten thousand men of whom the population of Ibarra was composed, more than half were killed, and the rest were lying under the fallen masonry, wounded, half-suffocated, and utterly in despair. To make the position worse, bands of brigands flocked into the town like vultures, after their prey, who, instead of helping the sick and dying, simply stripped them of everything they had left. Seeing this, the savage Indians of the neighboring districts, uttering their war-cry, came down from the mountains to try and take possession once more of the ancient kingdom of the Incas. Like demons from hell, they made the ruins echo with the words, Viva the great Atahalpa! The unhappy inhabitants of Ibarra, flying from one set of enemies, only encountered others, and everywhere met with theft, pillage, and death. When these terrible events became known, the government instantly turned to Garcia Moreno, imploring him to save the remnant of these unhappy people, and appointing him civil and military governor of the province of Ibarra. Garcia Moreno did not hesitate to sacrifice his quiet and happiness at Guachala to this imperative call of duty. He took with him several battalions of chosen troops to restore order and direct the works for the rescue of the people. They were stopped at a short distance from Ibarra by the river Ambi, which had filled the whole country. Even the bravest of the soldiers shrank from attempting to cross the torrent, without boats or rafts. But Garcia Marina dashed on horseback into the stream, and his companions, after having almost despaired of his safety, to their great relief saw him land safely on the opposite bank. Encouraged by his example, they faced the terrible passage, which was only a prelude to the heroic acts they had yet to accomplish. As soon as they arrived at Ibarra, Garcia Marina hastened to organize the work of rescuing the half-buried people, for any delay would entail the death of a number of victims. Other bodies of soldiers attacked the banditti and the Indians, and succeeded in driving them back to the mountains. So, as to restore justice and the rights of property, a tribunal was appointed to condemn and punish those who were found guilty of theft and other crimes. A band of grave-diggers was also selected, not only to bury the dead, but to rescue the living, many of whom still breathed, though buried for so many hours beneath the ruins. Garcia Moreno rescued thus his old enemy, Gomez de la Torre, and also the sister of the Colombian Charge de Affairs, a virtuous Carmelite, who had taken refuge in Ibarra when the Masonic persecution had closed the convents in her own country. The great difficulty was to find enough provisions to feed the rescued people, who were literally dying of hunger. By his appeal to the charity of the whole country, Garcia Moreno raised money in all the towns, while cargoes of provisions were sent from the country. Poor as he was himself, he put down his own name for a thousand piastres, and desired his wife to send from the hacienda everything that could be collected by way of food. He superintended the distribution himself, so as to prevent any frauds or abuses. Certain merchants, having tried to make a profit of the things sent by charging exorbitant prices to the starving people, he caused them to be publicly flogged in the marketplace, which at once put a stop to the infamous traffic. Very soon, thanks to his indefatigable activity, order reigned in the province. The birds of prey disappeared, the population who remained were placed in tents, pioneers traced the plans of a new city, which was soon to rise from the ruins, and everywhere confidence and hope were restored. In vain Garcia Marina's enemies tried to incriminate his acts and solely his charity by odious imputations. The people of Ibarra rose as one man to refute these odious calumnies, and in a touching address enumerated all he had done for them, declaring that words failed them worthy to thank their Saviour, and that it seemed to them that God had created him on purpose to console them in so terrible a misfortune. 
A month later, when Garcia Moreno's task was accomplished, the people came in a body to wish him good-bye, as if he had been their real father. All burst into tears, and overwhelmed him with thanks and blessings. Soon after, the ladies of Ibarra, in the name of the province, presented him with a medal set in diamonds, with this inscription, To the Saviour of Ibarra. Alas, these earthquakes and terrible ruins were but a feeble image of the evils wrought in his country by the revolution. We are now about to follow him in his last campaign against these implacable enemies of the Republic, which he was finally to save and deliver. End of Book 2, Chapter 20